0: Welcome to The Healthy Skin Show with Jennifer Fugo, where we're flipping everything you've been told about your chronic skin issues upside down and connecting you with alternative solutions your dermatologist never told you about.
1: Welcome back to episode number 264 of The Healthy Skin Show. In today's episode, we're going to dive into a really creative way to help support your skin's microbiome. I've never talked about this topic before, nor the science behind it, so I figured I'd bring back one of your favorite guests, namely Dr. Peter Leo, to help explain this. As many of you know, one of the hallmarks of eczema is that the microbiome on your skin can shift in a direction that isn't supportive of a healthy skin barrier. These microbes that should be in balance become dysbiotic which can play into flares that mess up your quality of life because of being very uncomfortable with very uncomfortable symptoms, as well as your ability to get restful sleep at night. And if you're someone who has been struggling with recurrent infections on your skin, this is a prime example of dysbiosis of your skin's microbiome. That's why I'm so excited for today's episode because this mind-blowing technology called endolysins that Dr. Leo is going to break down for us can be used proactively to support a better balanced skin microbiome. For those of you who may not be familiar with him, Dr. Peter Leo is an empathetic dermatologist in the Chicago area who has joined me for some of the most listened to episodes here on the Healthy Skin Show. He's a clinical assistant professor of dermatology and pediatrics at Northwestern University, having received his training at Harvard Medical School. He is the founding director of the Chicago Integrative Eczema Center and has published over 200 papers, as well as three textbooks. Now, today's episode is sponsored by GladSkin, which makes a topical cream that I think you should know about called Eczema Cream with Microbalance. And it's highly relevant to what we're going to talk about today. I became aware of GladSkin several years ago when community members started sharing their personal stories of how GladSkin's eczema cream had helped their eczema flares and symptoms. Because I didn't fully understand how exactly the product worked I read up on the microbalance endolysin technology that they use and talked to people at GladSkin so that I better understood why it could be helpful while being free of antibiotics and steroids. And I was really impressed with how neat endolysins are, sort of like these Pac-Man for those of you who are old enough to remember that video game, and these Pac-Men or endolysins target the bad and preserve the good to keep your skin microbiome in check. You can check out more about Glad Skin Eczema Cream with Microbalance and save 15% off your order at gladskin.com forward show. Anyway, Dr. Leo is going to do a much better job of explaining endolysis to you. I know you're going to find this just as fascinating as I do. So let's dive in. Dr. Leo, I'm so excited as always to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for being here today.
0: It's my pleasure. I love talking with you.
1: So we were going to talk a little bit today about the skin microbiome. This is one of my favorite topics. And as many of the listeners know, scientists are just beginning to understand what a major role it plays in skin health. And so I was wondering if you could paint a picture for us of what a healthy skin microbiome versus the skin microbiome of um, a person with eczema looks like and how it differs
0: I think it is really one of the most exciting areas in all of medicine because we know, of course, the microbiome is playing a role in many systems in our body, not just on our skin, but also in our gut and our respiratory tract, even in our eye, like there's, there's microbiome doing a lot. And we think about a normal microbiome is kind of like a bustling town center. There's all sorts of different people coming in and out, in this case, microbes, and these are including viruses, bacteria, fungi, they're all kind of doing their business. And what's remarkable is that you really can measure this with this diversity index. You can actually see that when it's healthy, it's diverse, which is kind of amazing. Uh, When things start to fall apart, and this is fascinating, of course, in eczema or atopic dermatitis, which is where I focus, but we also know in other disease states, this starts to fall apart. And one of the first things you see is that diversity index starts to plummet, that certain strains of bacteria, certain types actually become dominant and that diversity is lost. And what happens is these opportunists, you know, they sort of then see this, this opportunity to pounce and they can overgrow and continue this vicious cycle of not only throwing the microbiome out of whack, but also producing a number of factors, toxins really, that can actually lead to inflammation, more barrier damage, and even infection.
1: Hmm, that is so interesting. Uh, you know, I think historically, when we think of these bacterial imbalances, we tend to think of them as being addressed with things like antibiotics, right? You go to the dermatologist, they prescribe antibiotics. Maybe they're topical, maybe they're oral. Could you tell us a little bit about the benefits versus the drawbacks of antibiotics in terms of someone who has eczema and some of these other inflammatory skin conditions?
0: You know, I think that antibiotics have been incredible. And if you look at all the good that they've done, it's really unbelievable how many lives they've saved, how many lives they've improved. The negative to just thinking about them philosophically, though, is that they have really engendered this concept of treating in a reactive way, right? And this, I think, very bellicose or belligerent kind of language, warlike language around the way we treat disease. So it's like you have an infection, there's an invader. We're going to take out the invader, we're going to destroy the invader so it's like a military analogy and and it works right this analogy is very compelling because it works but I think that what we failed to notice is that it's a lot more complex than this and that when you drop a bomb on an area right as we see in the real world you don't just take out quote unquote the bad guys you end up taking out a lot of innocent people and collateral damage and so on so what we're seeing is that we now realize that yes they are great at fighting an infection but they're killing off a lot of the good guys too they're disrupting the micro biome and potentially leading to dysbiosis in the body fueling this imbalance not only that and a larger macro scale we are now seeing an increasing problem of antibiotic resistance right we hear about this all the time overuse 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 the bacteria get smart and then suddenly it doesn't work on them and the big fear is that eventually we're going to run out of good antibiotics and we could enter into a phase that looks like the pre-antibiotic phase if we're not careful so really fascinating to think about this clearly in 2022 It is still the case. If you have a true infection, antibiotics are often the way to go. But for these other conditions, these allied situations, opportunists, colonization, uh, these really are starting to come to light that this may be the wrong approach. In fact, using these more powerful antibiotics may actually be contributing and pushing the problem forward. So we really need to think outside of the box. We need to use other techniques. And sometimes they're not even directly manipulating the microbiome, right? Some of the things we do, for example, in atopic dermatitis, is focus on strengthening the skin barrier and it turns out just doing that to some degree can help improve the microbiome the microbiome is this wonderful marker that we're going the right direction so it's it's fascinating how all of these are deeply connected
1: yeah and i think too that might and maybe you can just comment on that quickly of why you know somebody who is in a household with someone who has these infections on their skin versus someone like a parent and they don't seem to have the issues they may have a stronger skin barrier with that be accurate to say that.
0: Absolutely. And I I put that in the largest group, you know, a functional skin barrier, which includes their immune system, which includes their microbiome, which includes the, the actual physical barrier, and then even the chemical barrier, right? Because the pH of the skin plays a huge role. And things like bacterial endolysins, all these different things that are, are potentially in the environment and being made by some of the healthy bacteria, they are also keeping that balance. So in the broadest, most functional way of thinking about it, we know that a healthy microbiome and a healthy barrier can really help minimize your chance and then it's a, ma- a matter of exposure, too. For example, some skin infections are so contagious, you know, like in a school classroom, next thing you know, half the class has it, uh, but others are less so, you know, and so it may depend on the exposure, the host in the background.
1: Yeah, I wanted to... Um maybe hone in on one thing you just said you mentioned the term endo and that's sort of another lesser known technology i guess we could call it <laughs> um can you explain what is that what what are they and how do they work
0: so Mother Nature is just incredible, right? And the deeper you study natural systems, the more you are amazed. And, and I really find that to be the case. I'm humbled every day as I learn more things. And it turns out that, you know, that, that old adage that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes right? So in this case, if our enemy, if one of our enemies is is bad bacteria, bacteria that we do not want to overgrow, the enemy of that bacteria in the natural world, one of the enemies can be these viruses. And these bacteriophage viruses can actually land on the bacteria and inject in these proteins, these enzymes called endolysins. And these endolysins are really interesting because they can then very specifically chew up the bacteria cell wall, their defenses, and allow them it allows them to fall apart so they're almost like a targeted missile a targeted attack on these things that in particular the ones we don't want they're really interesting and they're playing a role in natural systems they're out there and presumably they've been out there in some form or another for millions or maybe billions of years you know i mean these are the beginnings of life these kind of interactions have been around as far as we can know so what's remarkable is now even though they're kind of part of the natural system and frankly, part of our microbiome. I mean, this is happening to some degree on human systems and and living systems. Uh, They've been evolving this whole time. But what's interesting is that they can be selected and harnessed to help us rebalance, in theory, somebody that has an overabundance of a particular type of bacteria, which is really fascinating. But now, you know, as I understand it, they can be synthesized because they're relatively simple little proteins. So they're nothing too complex. So these were, we learned the trick from the virus, right? But there's no viruses now involved. We've basically basically learned how to make it from them and then it is synthesized. And then in the product, is it's just the actual endolysin itself. So for, for me, my journey into this was, I was reading a paper about them a number of years ago And I'm sitting there saying, wait a minute, why haven't we all heard about this? Why is this not being talked about? This is really, really interesting. And that's when I started diving deep and kind of falling down the rabbit hole of bacterial endolysins.
1: That's so neat that we were able to learn, like to see this in nature and learn from it and be able to, in a sense, I guess, mimic it, so to speak, without needing that other piece. So that way you can actually harness what I guess is now a technology because you can use it within all different fields. So they make these byproducts that are called endolysins. They sound very, maybe potent, powerful. <laughs> it's really, really cool. So. How come they're not utilized more? Why aren't they a bigger deal?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's that's the key question. Now now we're asking the right questions. Why aren't they? And I think we're seeing them being used more and more. So people have understood that not only are they extremely targeted towards particular bacteria and, and as I understand it you can get different ones for different bacteria, so you can actually find there's bacteriophages that make them. And then what's also remarkable is that because it is happening out there regularly, it seems like it has very minimal impact on other bacteria and other parts of the system. So it's it's one of like these very selective tools. As as I understand it, they are being used in areas like food industry because they can sort of help get rid of an abundance of bacteria on food surfaces. Again, without using a harsh chemical or a toxic thing because they break down relatively quickly then and they're, they, they're not going to hurt good, you know, good cells or good bacteria because they're so targeted. So this is really amazing. And I think honestly, I think we're at the very beginning of this science. And my guess is if they're going to deliver as we're expecting them to, I think we're going to see these increasingly part of the discussion for many, many issues in health and disease.
1: Wow, that is so neat. So, being that you're here, let's talk about how this might be used in, say, like dermatology, because that's your area of expertise. Um, can you tell us is, it, is this something that you could use with patients and, and just the general population, or is this not something that's involved in chronic skin issues?
0: Yes, there are several studies out that I think really do suggest there is some very convincing evidence that it may help with not only the bacterial balance on the skin, but also with atopic dermatitis. So we can actually see some of the studies are studied in patients with eczema or atopic dermatitis, and I think there is pretty convincing evidence of clinical helpfulness of these products. Now, right now, there's only one of them that's available in the United States that uses this endolysin science, and that's GladSkin product. Uh, what's really interesting is they call this kind of proprietary ingredient the microbalance. That's their patented endolysin that they've studied. It's actually an over-the-counter product, which is also really interesting. You know, you might think this is a prescription-type product, but because it's really just supporting the skin, uh, I think it, it can actually pass muster as an uh, topical over-the-counter agent, and it's in a really nice base, a nice moisturizing base that's very, very nice.
1: Yeah, I will say that the first time I ever heard of GladSkin was just online. I was sharing different information as I do on Instagram, and a number of people had said, hey, have you ever tried GladSkin? And I was like, no. So I went to look it up and thought it was so neat, but I didn't have eczema at that point in time. So it's been really interesting to hear feedback from clients who've tried it and people online and how they found it actually to be helpful, which is, which is so cool that we get to dig into like, how, how does, what makes this type of thing work? You know, this is really, really cool. So you use GladSkin in your practice?
0: I definitely do. You know, I've given it to a lot of patients over the past several years, uh, all the way down to infants through adults. And what's been really nice is that the way I kind of spin it is I say, listen, this is a moisturizer, okay? But it's a moisturizer that really has this, ingredient, this microbalance, that can help us keep the microbiome in good shape and help restore it if it's out of shape. So I love it in particular for people that are prone to getting kind of cuts and fissures and open areas. And we know that's a that's a ripe area to get bacterial overgrowth because the barrier is so damaged. So I really find that it can be a useful adjunct. Now just to be very clear, I would not use this for a true infection. If someone had an infection, this is not approved for that. It's not that's not what it's for. So if they had an infection, we'd want to evaluate that and that appropriately typically with an antibiotic but it's for those patients maybe who've had a few infections and I say why don't we try to get this on board because maybe by helping to restore and keep that microbiome strong we will not have any uh, or have fewer going forward and again I don't know that because even the studies have been a little bit shorter term but that's my hope and that's the way I I kind of explain it to the patients and I think most of my patients are really excited about it because it's pretty safe it's very gentle Uh, again it's over-the-counter so that takes some of the stigma of a quote-unquote drug and I think people are very excited about about it.
1: hmm. And so you, I, I love that you were like, babies can use this. So it's okay for any age group. Is that correct? I just want to make sure for moms that they are hearing this correctly. Cause I get asked a lot about like, is this okay for my, I don't know, two month old. And I'm like, I don't really know. I don't work with young children. So this, this is okay for a really yes, young child? I
0: think- If really for any age, you know, in general, especially for babies, I do always recommend talking with a healthcare practitioner that you trust and know to work through it. My sense is this is definitely not for everybody, right? Again, we probably, if you just needed a moisturizer, you probably don't necessarily need to jump to this product. But for those patients that want or need to help restore that microbiome, I do think that this would be a wonderful product for them or for patients who just really are tuned into that. If they say, this is something I really want to focus on, I think this can be something they can use very nicely nicely.
1: And I believe that there is actually a, a version of this, right? That is meant for more babies.
0: Yes. The, the babies branded one, actually they remove the oat because there is some discussion around, you know, putting foods on our skin and the connection between allergy. And some people really do have an oat allergy. So this is an even simpler kind of an even cleaner preparation for the babies, which I love.
1: That is awesome. So I wanted to ask a real quick question and just about, you know, people ask me like really basic questions and they might think like, well, this has a certain thing in it. Like, is this something that they would use like maybe once a day, or is it okay to use more than once a day? Like, do you, do you suggest maybe like after a shower or how do you usually coach a patient around using a product like this?
0: Typically, yes, I like them to use it multiple times per day. I'd say at least twice per day would be great. It is wonderful to apply to damp skin. So after a shower or bath, it really absorbs nicely. But I also like to make sure we're doing it at least one other time per day because putting a moisturizer on dry skin actually kind of maintains that moisture longer. So there's kind of a plus to doing it at least a couple times throughout the day.
1: Yeah, and I know, too, with um, losing more water through the skin, the skin, especially like a compromised skin barrier, we lose more water at night, more more moisture. Is that another reason why maybe doing it later in the day could possibly be helpful?
0: I Definitely. I really like to put kind of a good moisturizer okay. on before bedtime in the evening. I think that's a wonderful time to do it. And truth be told, because this can be used by some of my patients in a little bit more of a targeted way, I have them sometimes use GladSkin to sort of their trouble spots, and then they could use potentially another moisturizer or another treatment to other areas. The only thing I would say is I just like to space them out in terms of time, because the GladSkin in, the, in the, the, micro, the micro balance is a little bit sensitive. So we don't want to like put it on and then put another product that could damage it and render it useless. So I like them to kind of separate those in time. Maybe they could do one in the morning, in the afternoon, and then if they do like a very heavy moisturizer at bedtime, I'll do something like that.
1: And what about somebody who might have like folliculitis with it? Is that okay to, to maybe try and test this out for, for someone who's struggling with that?
0: You know, yeah, I'd say, you know, my clinical gut here is if they really have an infection, you know, folliculitis infection, I probably would want to treat it first properly with, you know, again, if it's localized, we might use a topical antibacterial agent. If it's more widespread, I might put them on an oral, but certainly as an adjunct for sure, you know, as a secondary thing. And then especially for somebody who gets recurrent folliculitis in between, I might say, listen, why don't we try? And I have, I've said, you know, I have some people, if they shave their legs, they get folliculitis all the time. And we're using all these different antibiotics. And I say, why don't we try this after you shave? I'd like you use this and definitely at night, you know, that sort of thing and see if it prevents. And I've had a couple of patients tell me since they've been using it, knock on wood, they haven't had folliculitis like they used to. So for a real infection, I wouldn't say this is enough. You know, I want to make sure people get appropriate treatment, but to help, to help along with it as an adjunctive or as a preventative, I think it is absolutely worth trying. Is it going to work for everybody? I don't know if it'll work for everybody. I think it's worth a try though for patients because it's so gentle.
1: And what about on the face? Are you able to use it on the... I know some, some products, you, you know, they don't... It works on the body. It might be too heavy for the face. Is it okay to, to use in, on the face or even maybe around the eye area?
0: I do think pretty safe around face and eye area. It's a very lightweight cream, it feels good, it's cosmetically elegant. In general, my patients have not told me that it has caused stinging or burning, so I'm quite comfortable with it, even in very sensitive areas. I always tell my patients though, especially real sensitive skin patients, I say, try a small area first for a few days, make sure your skin likes it. You know, the worst case is somebody says, I'll try it and smears it all over their eyelids. And then if they don't like the feeling, then they're sort of stuck with this feeling for a while. So I like to try a test area first with any new product that I use.
1: Okay. And I'm sure we're going to have people, because we do, we know a lot of people listen to this uh, show and they are on some sort of treatment for eczema. And so depending where somebody is on their journey, if say they're, you know, in treatment for some sort of issue, especially if they're in the middle of an eczema treatment, can they use this alongside the other treatments that are pretty commonly prescribed by a dermatologist?
0: Absolutely. I think that for almost any patient, this could certainly be an adjunct, an add on, something they could use alongside to see if we can get an even better improvement in their skin. And they always want to make sure we have proper evaluation, management, a skin culture, whatever it needs to be, if there's an actual medical issue. Because again, this is just an over the counter product, and it's really just designed to help support and strengthen and rebalance the microbiome. So outside of that, though, I really do. I use it for the entire spectrum of severity. And I've even had some surprises because I like it so much. I'll often, if a patient says, boy, I really need to try something new. I need a different moisturizer. I'll say, try it. And I've had patients that maybe even aren't prone to infections necessarily, but we know again, almost everybody with eczema has some amount of dysbiosis and they come back and say, I really love this. I feel like I'm doing great. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe just trying to pick people that are more prone to infections is too narrow. Maybe I should be trying it basically in anybody that has eczema. And the biggest, the biggest limiter is that the bottle is fairly small. So I tend to target it you know, for more targeted areas like hands or elbows or behind the knees, and maybe one day we'll see we'll have a, a larger format of it that we could say this is going to be your whole body moisturizer, uh, which would be amazing for some patients for sure.
1: Yeah, and do you have any particular? I I love your stories because you always every time you come on the show you share a clinical pearl or some experience that you've had in your clinic with a patient. Can you think of anything off the top of your head that? Um, where you've recommended Gladskin or someone came in and said, Hey, I tried this particular product and it really like helped me in some way that maybe you could share with listeners.
0: Absolutely. I, I recently had a nurse um, who works in a pediatric hospital, and she has had really bad hand dermatitis, hand eczema. We've done patch testing. We've done. She's done tons of topical steroids, and she's kind of tired of using them because she's actually getting the skin is getting damaged. It's getting thin, and so she gets lots of cuts and fissures. And she's had a hand infection, which is such a big deal that we actually had a, had the hand surgeon have a look. And it was a big. It was a big to do. She was hospitalized. Wow. So these cuts and figure, fissures can get infected in a deep way, and if you get a bad infection, your hand is serious. So I switched her over to Gladskin skin as her main hand moisturizer during the day. And what's really nice about it is that it's very lightweight. So the other problem is I usually pick heavier, greasy things, but a lot of patients don't want to do it during the day. If you have to put on gloves or hand, you know, shake someone's hand or touch a patient, you can't be covered in grease, you know, or wax. So this is really lightweight. And since she has done that, I will say she has been delighted. Uh, she has not had any infections and really minimal cracks and fissures. So I feel like, again, this is that beautiful part about a Good moisturizer, strengthening the barrier, keeping the microbiome balanced, and has really made a change in her life, which we're celebrating. You know, for, for an over the counter product to do that, I think is really a big deal, especially for somebody who's tried a lot of prescription things without great success.
1: Yes, and as many listeners who struggle with hand eczema, myself included in the past, I can very much relate. To her experience, that it's awful to go through that. And so, if there was, I mean, this was years and years ago, long before where we are now. If I had had something that I could have tried like this, that would have potentially helped, I would have done it in a heartbeat. So, um, with that being said, is there anything else, like before, as we're wrapping up, that maybe listeners might be, it might help round out our conversation, um, that you could add?
0: I just think that the microbiome, and in particular the skin microbiome is really the next frontier in medicine. People are going to be learning about it, talking about it. There are all these studies underway right now trying to understand it better. And I'm really excited about GladSkin's work in this space. I think they're being bold. You know, They're trying something totally new and entering in as really the only one of its kind right now. So it's kind of exciting to have a totally new class and patients say, what is this like? And it's like, nothing. It's really a totally new thing, right? This is something really new and exciting. So I'm excited to see where this all goes. And I think that this is the first step on a very exciting journey.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much, Dr. Leo, as always. It's a pleasure to have you here. I, I love like I get to like kind of pick your brain and the listeners get to to benefit from that. So thank you so much for sharing this because it, it is a little complicated, you know, and especially I can understand if people are trying to dig into research, they, they might not understand and you've brought it down to a level where it makes it so understandable um and i always love that about you thank you this is just mind-blowing stuff right Endolysins have so much potential and i'm grateful that dr leo joined me to explain what they do because it can be a little bit confusing if you're not familiar with the term or science behind how they work i personally think glad skin eczema cream with Microbalance is one of the neatest technological advancements so far to help restore the balance of good and bad bacteria on the skin while acting as a moisturizer as well. Now don't forget, there's also a version of Gladskin Skin Eczema Cream with Microbalance for babies and kids that is oatmeal free. Now, as I said before, if you go to gladskin.com forward slash healthy skin show, you'll find loads of information on the products as well as get 15% off automatically on your order. If you'd love to ask questions about this episode or check out the resources associated with what we've discussed, you can head on over to skinterrupt.com forward slash 264 so we can keep the conversation going. And I'd love it if you share this episode with other eczema warriors who wanna understand the science behind how EndoLysins and glad skin works just like I did. Plus, you'll be sharing a great opportunity to get a discount as well. Before you head off for your day, take a moment to rate and review the Healthy Skin Show podcast if you're listening on an app and then hit the subscribe button so you never miss a weekly dose of new research, inspiration, alternative strategies, and creative tips to help you rebuild healthy skin. And then let's connect over on Instagram. I'm at Jennifer Fugo. Thanks so much for joining me. And I look forward to digging deeper with you in the next episode.